Welcome everyone to episode 172 of Staggered Stance, formerly known as the Nick and Matt Show. Josh, Matt, how are we doing today? It's a beautiful day to be on beautiful Staggered day. Stance. I don't know where you are. Last night, <laughs> about 9 p.m., I was snow blowing 16 inches of snow that had just dumped on uh, our portion of New England. I am now in Chicago. Expecting an inch or two tonight, which is nothing, but I'm on business. Josh, how are you doing? Good, and I am at home on business. <laughs> um, yeah, plenty of snow here in New Hampshire also, and snow blowed the first run, and then later in the day went out for the second one, and I think a belt blew out on my snowblower, which means yeah. I finished the snow that... by shovel, and then my uh -oh. kids said, can you make a big igloo in the front yard? And so I had to shovel even more. But yeah, oh it's, it's great. Goodness. It's great. So the snow blowing thing for those who don't have snow, I don't know if you're listening in Florida or our portions of Australia, we know you're out <laughs> there too, like wherever you are that you don't get snow. <clears throat> I don't know how to explain when the snowblower doesn't function mid snow blow. It's worse than having to shovel from the beginning almost because you're like, ah, now I've got something broken to repair in the middle of doing work. So uh, that's unfortunate. You think it broke or it's just loose? You don't know. You haven't opened it. Uh, when you smell like a burning belt, oh. I don't know what's wrong. Uh, it, could be, it, could, it sounds like it might be loose. Maybe it's loose and it just needs to be tightened. But anyways, uh, yeah, so I'm out in Chicago, but that's not too far to enjoy Disc Golf 978. Disc Golf 978 is presenting episode sponsor um, for tonight. And this whole year. So get ready. We love 978. In fact, if you use that code over at their website, Disc Golf 978, you type in the code we love 978. When you check out, you get 5% off your order, which doesn't sound like a lot, but does two things. One, it gets you 5% off. Two, it lets them know that we're sending people there, which we really believe in them and we want you to go there. And also, we love 978. So let me let me think here. How, what was I going to say on this? Well, because let, there was so me, much. Let me expound on that, Matt. So nine seven eight, all their products, all their discs are at the minimum advertised Thank you. pricing. Thank that you. Means That's what I was going to say. It, you read that my means mind. it's fifty. It could be fifteen percent off from other uh, online stores, but since they're already at the lowest, that extra five percent off is does a lot. So they got the MAP on all their discs and. Same day shipping, pretty much, and free shipping over twenty five bucks. So basically, one disc. Well, I'm glad you read my mind on that because that's what I was trying to set up. I was going to go five percent off, which doesn't sound like a lot, and that's where I was going to go. And then I got sidetracked. Uh, yeah, which they have the lowest possible, and that was your point, Ben. It's where I'm going to purchase my disc forever, um, which yep. is awesome. And free shipping on orders over twenty five dollars. Get yourself two discs. And you pay for two discs, pretty much. Like, that's how it works out. They also have something that I want to shout out. We're going to try to share something new with you every single time. But first of all, Scott and Melissa over there are awesome. Uh, Marky Chap, who you see in Simon's videos fairly often, he works there. Uh, Disc Golf 978, you want to check out. They sponsor Casey White. But they have something called a 14-day disc swap program. And the I want to say they were some of the first. I know that others are doing this, or I've heard of similar programs. But this 14-day disc swap program that applies to new and used discs, you have 14 days to try a disc. If you don't like it, you can bring it back, swap it out for one of equal or lesser value. Now, if you're if you're far away from the Northeast where their brick and mortar is, 
you can still do this 14 day disc swap program. You're just going to be probably on the hook for the shipping. So it is what it is. I mean, uh, that would be a lose situation for them fully. But if you feel like, hey, maybe I'm, it's worth risking it, then and you want to pay for shipping if you didn't like it, you can still do that program yourself. We're going to talk about more things that they do, including the DTF heat prints, heat print stuff, Prancer. custom artwork for your apparel. <laughs> Check it out. They'll send it to you. Uh, and there's no minimums. There's no setup fees. All that kind of stuff. It's incredible. So Disc Golf 978, we thank them for their support very much. Hey. Go visit them and get... Josh, you were looking last week at their website and you saw some really cool discs that maybe aren't for sale other places. I think people need to peruse the whole website. Yeah, peruse it in a website, right? Here's, check this out. I'm wearing my Statmando hat, which means it's all about the numbers. And you know how many hours a day Disc Golf 978's website is open? <laughs> 24 hours a day. And Ben, get a kick out of this. If you add the numbers 9, 7, and 8, you get 24. 24 hours a day. Check Whoa, them out. This golf 978. Cool. That is a good little tidbit. I did not know. There you go, Josh. <laughs> and New Let's go. Intern Ben had a challenge for a while to become 978 rated because he was 897 rated or something, right? Yeah, I started last year at 879 rated. 879. <laughs> now I'm 927 rated, so I'm almost I'm almost at 978. I have to renew my membership. I might be 879. We'll see. Well... Thank you, Disc Golf 97. Thank you. Hey, uh, um, we're getting, uh, we, I don't know if we can fix it with remote, but we're getting live ads again. Just FYI. Oh, Ben. Oh. It's the same thing that I did last week. In the top bar of YouTube on the right, you should be able to pause or, or go back into the uh, ads. That, or you can go back into the edit settings for YouTube, that video, right? Like in YouTube there, you can hit edit again and then just go find that and change turn it off i don't get why that's happening we have to look at it but yeah sorry guys all right quick logo and show update review so you notice ben started this off staggered stance you see a little bit of the brand update we're not fully there but it is a little bit fresh it's new it's changed um people have been reacting this week to the logo to the icon to the variations of the logo um for the most part really positive response we appreciate that support uh, for those that are shocked, the shock value of what they're seeing, being so used to four years of something else, like we get it. We were there as well. So um, you'll see our icon in most places, which you can see on the YouTube video here, which is in between the word staggered and stance. That's what we're going to call our icon. You'll see that in social media most places. Um, our actual logo itself has the wording around it, staggered stance, and it says a disc golf talk show. Uh, which tells you just a little bit about it. And then you'll see like in our intro starting and we made a post today, um, there's a version with headphones surrounding the full logo. So why do we have all these? Well, it comes down to branding and how we're going to use them different places. You can see them on hats, shirts, uh, the way that the branding itself gets used will look different in different scenarios. But the headphone version is for our podcast uh, in most scenarios, like it'll be our podcast artwork and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so staggered stance. Um, what, what's with the, the white squiggly line, the people, a lot of people get it. Some people weren't so sure it's two S's tilted in a staggered <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. Tilt a little bit. Yeah. Two S's on there kind of connected together. If you look, turn your head to the right, everybody, <laughs> um, 
And it also happens to form the footprints of a staggered stance, if you will, too. It's uh, that. Of Chris um, Clemens, actually. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, lefty. We're throwing the lefty some love here, honestly. Um, but then this was something I had thought of in hindsight as we were developing it. But with the headphone version, it kind of communicates a little bit of a, a voice audio wave. So you get a little bit of everything with that. Some of it unintentional, but staggered stance, everybody. So. That's your quick update there. We'll be coming out with uh, apparel, hats, ways to support us and, and rep a newly branded show. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Let's move into some talk here. Right into it. Hey, and because uh, people people asked, new branded show, new new roles, new people joining, but Nick is still part of the show. Where's Nick? Good call. Yeah. Because uh, people are asking, and no, I've not replaced Nick. I could never do that. No. Yeah. Good call. I, I will say as part of this update for everyone listening and hanging out, um, Nick and I started this four years ago. By the way, Josh, uh, was it you? that Somebody sent it to us. Smashbox, the, the fun rivalry and friendship of Smashbox. They gave us six minutes talking about our rebrand, which was epic. Thank you, Terry and Johnny. Um, and they understood it. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to listen to them process through it. I really, I think that's so funny. I'll send them a text sometimes and be like, you're cracking me up, guys. Um, but yeah, Nick, Nick's not being replaced. I think what you're going to get a little different here is the possibility, the possibility that every show you might have one of us missing, not present. And that's going to be the beauty of honestly, the, the strengths that each of us bring. So Nick's uh, busy. I think it's, I, I can't speak to all of it, but he mentioned last week Olympus and uh, what he's got going on down there. I think honestly, it's a lot of maybe even pro tour meeting stuff tonight. So there's that. And then Evan Kearns, <gasps> Stat Mando. He, oh my, it's so sad. Just he kidding. will be rejoining the show <laughs> <Yeah>! officially <clears throat> this coming week, is, unless something comes up. But like this is, he'll be rejoining and it'll be an epic week. For so many reasons, I'll just say that. Stay tuned, everybody. Next week will be epic, no matter how you slice it. Um, <clears throat> so let's let's go into some talk here. Speaking of epic, we had Gannon Burr a week ago announced that he's leaving Prodigy, which we knew. We I quote air quotes if you're <laughs> if you're just listening. We knew, and then today, a few hours ago, Eagle McMahon. Uh, do I need to say any more about Eagle? We all know who he is and, and who he played for. Um, Eagle McMahon announced more or less. It's true. I'm leaving this mania. That was the announcement. I'm leaving this mania. No announcement on where he's going. This could be, I'll put it to you guys. This could be the quietest that I've ever heard on speculation where somebody's going. Like I have my opinion but I haven't heard anything with clarity and that's more rare. We have a lot of people that often give us inside scoops and I have not heard that. Now I could be out of the loop on this one, which is fine. My guess still as crazy as it might be. My guess is still it's Innova or MVP. Those are the two that I feel, but I would not be surprised if it's anybody. That's how kind of in the dark I am here. You guys have any feelings on that and your reaction to oh. Eagle announcing his departure? Yeah, well, I think the Eagle announcement it was pretty obvious. Just just like how how I was saying Dismania was operating with releasing all of his stuff. It seemed to have 
been that way. As for where he's going, normally media guys like us pretty much know where, where a majority of people are going before it's announced, whether it's like a few days or a week, a majority. This Eagle McMahon announcement and where he's going is, since I've been in disc golf, the best kept secret I have seen. I have zero idea where he's going. There hasn't been an inkling. There hasn't been like proof. It's been all speculation and shout out to Eagle and wh- whoever is signing him because y'all did it right by keeping it a secret and it hasn't been leaked to the general population. So congrats on that. Ben, when you say you don't have an idea, let's be clear. You clear you and me off air place fun bets back and forth on where we think he's going based off of our sources. Yeah. But our sources are disagreeing and exactly. it's just making us be like, what? So like that's to Ben's point is like there's nothing that's like 90% leaning one way at this point. At least that's not how I know about it at all. So Josh, what do you think? Reaction? Well, well, first of all, I want to make sure and maybe we will. I want to come back and talk a little bit about, you know, Eagle, his history, Discmania, kind of the way he's approached even the announcement. But while we're talking about where he may be going, uh, I don't have any real informed guesses. I may have educated guesses, but I'm curious even to the two of you, like, so what are the leading candidates? So I've heard Innova and MVP. <laughs> Does that mean we're saying he can't go? To, I, obviously, I know we can't say he can't, but Prodigy, Dynamic Discs, Latitude 64, some other disc manufacturer infinite are we saying all those are like off the table that's the most popular guesses in my opinion my and and it could be of just guesses first of all i've said it forever where the smoke there's fire so the smoke of him possibly leaving was very accurate like i'm gonna in the future if i ever hear a rumor someone's leaving it's just i'm gonna say it's happening from now on but when it comes to can he or where where will he he said he would be doing himself a disservice in his video. I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't take the offer. So it's money. I don't mean like it's only money while he's leaving because offers can be all inclusive outside of money. But you have to believe money's a large, large mover here for him. And you go to who has that. Now, probably almost every manufacturer, if they clean house enough, could do that. <laughs> but Innova could do that easily. They could do that. I think Innova, MVP, Discraft could do that the most. Obviously, they're the biggest. Yeah. But I don't see Do you see him going to Discraft? No, I personally don't. I couldn't see it. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense for his brand. And it would make sense for Discraft because they just added another star player. But for him himself, it it would seem too oversaturated. And it just doesn't seem like an eagle brand, in my opinion. I just, here's what I find intriguing, and this is all speculation. Maybe I'm even misinformed. You two can correct me. I'm sure the comments will. Is everybody can change. When I say everybody, even manufacturers can change. But Eagle, one of the things he has going for him is personality, um, performance, um, likability honesty meaning he's made mistakes he's acknowledged them he's matured a lot over the last nine years like visibly go back and watch his vlogs on where he's like come just like everything from how he approaches the game 
And so what I'm basically talking about here is he has a brand, right? And Disc Mania complemented that and vice versa. So like an individual brand to me is very important to Eagle and it should be because that's like what he has beyond obviously winning on the course, right? But everything else around that is considered his personal brand. I have never seen that I can recall. So I got if you see me racking my brain as I sit here saying this, that Innova has ever had somebody that the person was the brand. I've just never seen them like buy into that. Now, sure, you've got discs and you know names on discs, and um, obviously some of the best players that ever play the game have played on Innova. It's not about any of that, but have you ever seen them be like, we're going to produce a line for this player? They've got their own series. I mean, Paul Macbeth left Innova, and I think a big part of it was because they didn't do that. And there were other issues there as well. But Simon goes to MVP, and he gets a brand, right? I mean, it's stamped with uh, you know, the company MVP, but he gets a brand. It's, it's, and so I would just, everything else says, oh, it, it sounds great. He can throw the discs. You naturally be perfect. Innova's big enough. Um, and so here's here's my real comment. I'm not saying he can't go to Innova, but I'm saying for him to go to Innova, I think Innova would have to actually adapt and uniquely cater to his needs in a way they haven't done before. And that would be intriguing to me to see Innova kind of change the way it's approached the game historically. Those are great, great, great points. Um, and if you asked me to comment on Innova's history, everything you said is accurate. And other things that I have heard in conversation with people close to Innova movers and shakers says that Innova doesn't, and I, I, don't, want, I don't want to speak openly about certain people who are running industry over there. They don't, yeah, they don't, we, we know this. It doesn't seem like they really care about the big names. Now, you can say, but look, Calvin, the biggest biggest name of the year just about. But we don't know what his deal is. But but he's a player. He's not a brand. So no, that's the difference. Calvin's amazing, right? But like he's not a brand like Eagle or Simon or Paul or uh, some of the other big splashy names at the top of our game. There's a possibility of investing in what they believe is the future of Eagle. But that's i i think I just, that is a little bit that is a little bit outside of their norm if he was if he says i can't turn down an offer turn down this offer it's it would it would be more incredible to hear that innova offered a million dollar contract it would just be incredible and this yeah, is the first just, time I, I even I, mentioned dollars by the yeah, way yeah right heard dollars. yeah i don't know so it's easy to throw the million just because that's that's been tossed right. around that kind of seems like the threshold in our game um which i think that threshold is probably lowered in the last year or yeah, two i agree but but like, again, I'm not saying he can't go to Innova. I'm saying if he does, that will be the intriguing thing to me to see how they manage the brand because Eagles brand is worth more collectively. Well, this is actually, I guess I shouldn't say it may be worth more than a million dollars cash payment. So I hope Eagles think, and I think he is thinking about his over, like over the big picture, what his brand and his reputation is. Because you can go somewhere and collect a couple years of a million dollar paycheck and your brand just kind of fades into the recesses of everybody's mind. And then you're the player who played in the early, you know, 2020s. And sure, you pocketed five million over five years. But or do you want to be the name that's like in perpetuity, like 
your brand was cemented for two decades. Um, I'm sure he's thinking about that, but that's what I would encourage the player. And hopefully you can do that with Innova, but you could do it with MVP or maybe somewhere else will surprise us. Ben, do you read anything into the uh, Simon video with the photoshopped discs overlaid on his stack? Like, does that come into this conversation at all? Were those, like, were those photoshopped? I thought they were real. Well, the discs that were in his stack were real. But he had signed. We can just text him and ask him, but I'm not going to say this publicly. I'm not going to say this publicly because I, I don't know. I'm just saying like I, I'm and I enjoy speculating on this stuff. But the, the overlay of a disc was photoshopped onto his video so that you couldn't see a disc below it. It was a it was a hide a disc type thing. Ben. Oh, there was a okay. disc that he wasn't showing. Yeah. Now, that's not unusual for Simon to have discs that are about to come out that aren't released yet, that are prototypes that are like not talked about. Sometimes it'll happen. He's filming around on the course and a disc is in the shot and he he tries to edit it all out as much as he can. But he throws these during his round to get used to them and provide feedback. So sometimes they slip and they make it in. That's very possible. That's all this was. But these were the weird Innova overmolded ones. And so it's very possible too that he was helping a buddy out and he's finding the original you know the the original uh pd models and all that kind of stuff and he's saying let's over mold these so we can show eagle how similar they i don't know i now this is conspiracy yeah all uh, i'm saying is i could see mvp or innova that's all i'm gonna yeah. say and josh you might have persuaded me more to think mvp after that conversation so but I, I don't see him going to prodigy dga no, i don't the only thing by the, I, don't, I don't think he's going there too but one intriguing thing is eagle um, I think the European scene, where can he make a bigger splash? There is also something to consider. So like Latitude 64 and Prodigy, obviously bigger names over there. I like, I, by the way, I actually don't think that's where he's going. I'm just saying, do you remember even like at the European open, like the videos, like the vlogs, it's just like the amount of fans for Eagle and Simon in Europe. Like you could just, uh, if you're talking money only, I think you could literally make a killing by promoting his brand even more as a European name and having him come over more often, like I think that would be like an incredible uh, factor, and it would retain that brand importance that I'm talking about. Um, but I don't, I don't guess that's where he's going. I don't know. I, I have closing thoughts on this. We're seeing this like. I hate to say it's an exodus, but again, it's this whole like smoke. There's fire. It's this whole like your perception is reality. Um, dynamic disc seems to be having this what we've seen with Innova in years before where it's like players are leaving or we saw with prodigy. We see it a little bit with, um, DD. I think there's going to be something that happens there. And I don't think we've heard it announced yet. That's my take. So it could be Eagle. Um, could be Gannon. Could be Nicholas. These are players that have announced now that they're leaving that have not announced where they're going yet. Um, and there's probably others there and I know then you get to the second tier, but still, you never know. Some company could be making a bet like somebody like an Alden Harris, uh, who True. Alden Harris. You know, Thank you. Right. And obviously his name is not as big as the first three you mentioned, but like he had a good year last year and you just don't know, right. Who, who's trying to make moves. Um, I still get a kick out of, um, I think some players intentionally dropping Easter eggs or hints, uh, in different ways, but then because the hype train gets so crazy on that even like innocent things out there take a life of their own, which I think is fun. Like, you know, go look at Alden Harris's posts and scroll through like the pictures and like, 
course, prodigies all throughout them, but then there's one where like the disc mania sign on the T box is just so clearly highlighted. So it's just like, remember last week I said, it's interesting to me to have real speculation based on business and brand and the future of the sport, but I also have just as much fun riding the hype train on what could every little thing mean. Um, it's pretty funny. Well, one of the things the comments keep saying about Eagle, and I don't know if we've mentioned is, they keep saying that Eagle's going to take over um, their streamline line for MVP. So that's yeah. that's a huge conspiracy where it would make sense. Um, and that's why I think Innova or MVP makes sense because I think that streamline thing makes sense. But I also think Innova's Innova. It's it's pretty sure it's still the number one disc golf company in the world, like volume-wise for discs. And they can give them a pretty paycheck. So... He didn't mention in the video that if he turned down the offer, he'd be dumb. The MVP did make a lot of money this year because of Simon signing. I, I couldn't imagine they made all that money back. Not the $10 million, maybe. Maybe they made his yearly contract where, back. Where are you getting these numbers from, Ben? We're just all counting on them being accurate, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I forgot I forgot <laughs> those million. numbers weren't official, but that's the alleged. Yeah, I, that's the number that gets around. Yeah. It's funny. We all just kind of accept it now. Yeah. But, but... I want to go back further than that, okay. Ben. When James Conrad threw in the sh the holy shot, oh, they there's made a, a whole article that out there. You can Correct, look this all yeah. up. They made so much money off of mm -hmm. that, and I don't think they listed exact numbers, but they went from like one machine. I'm I'm being very simple here with my wording, but from like one machine to like ten machines, which cost a load because of how many discs they were selling, which then leads to in your mind, well, now they lined up Simon. It tells me with Simon coming on, they didn't need to make that money. Well. Again, they're probably laughing if they're listening to this. <laughs> Me saying they don't have to make that money back. But I'm simplifying this all down to say like they made all that money where they are willing to go ahead and make this move, business decision, to say like we know it's or we have a strong feeling it's going to be there. And then so when Simon comes, whatever they make is like kind of on top of that, which says, yeah, we could line somebody else up. So I think that's a cool idea too to the chat. And I don't have the chat pulled up here, so I appreciate yeah. that. Like I just know personally, I, I, I have connections with a lot of different pro shops. Uh, even uh, Josh from Overthrow was saying a lot of pro shops are saying they can't even keep MVP on their shelves. So they're, they they made a splash this year. They went from a kind of like a more trendier company to like, wow, these discs are legit. And I think they have the money to uh, afford Eagle, but I think Innova also makes sense. So I don't know. I'm I'm how about, I'm, I'm on the fence. How about Paul Kranz, rookie of the year for the PDGA? That's he huge. announced he yes. left Discmania. And that he went to MVP. Yep. Um, if I go to Disc Golf 978 and punch in MVP, you said it's hard to keep him on the shelves. I bet you they got some. But I'm talking a Disc Golf podcast right now. So yeah, they I do. was just going to peruse through. I was just going to hey, find the sweet these MVP. These things like, you know, if you're Eagle you, and you go to MVP, you want to make sure they can put discs on the shelf, right? Absolutely. So like it's, yeah. it's interesting. All of these things. Most of these players, I think at this point in the game, most of the top players who are considering big deals are hopefully starting to get pretty sophisticated with their analysis of the deals, right? Like I think there's an era in disc golf where it's kind of like the flat, right? Everybody's just trying to tour and make it and there's payments and there's certain tiers and that, that was well and good. But now it's like, yeah, are you going to be able to print enough discs? Which disc do I get? What's my influence? What's my brand? What what rights do I own to trademarks yeah. and copyrights? What do you own? What's the payments? What's the bonus structure? Way more complex and nuanced, which is a good thing for the players. 
Um, and so I say that comment in passing, but the point is, is like, you got to go somewhere that can also handle his brand. And we really are dissecting this fully just because Eagle has officially announced. That's why we're talking about it. I know we talked yeah, like this six kind hours of ago. So yeah. It's I know we soon. kind of talked this type of sponsorship talk the whole off season, but like it's relevant to right now because of Eagle. But like, I feel like also house of discs is a thing, right? That like has become more new to the disc golf world. And people are like, what is that? It's the investors that purchased latitude and disc mania and dynamic discs and West side. Like I don't see Eagle going to that. Although in the past, I feel like Eagle was so close to going to dynamic discs. I don't think that was ever public and it's still my speculation, but I honestly think this is, again, my speculation that he was so close to literally signing on a contract with DD years ago, and it didn't happen. Could he be going back? Possibly. But I. this is why I'm saying I don't think so. Because of disc mania is in House of Disc. I don't see him just shuffling yeah, inside. Yeah, it's a lateral move. Ownership. Yeah. I, well, because the ownership is so involved now in a lot of ways that, yeah, I don't see him just moving with them. So I don't know. Let's kind of move on from that unless you have any closing thoughts. Yeah, let's MVP move on. Or, uh, yeah, we can move. I, I want to move on about speculation of where they're going. But maybe we just okay. talk a minute. Like I mentioned it in passing, but like so Go ahead not, share. Yeah, I'm just saying like nine years with Discmania for somebody. How old is he? Twenty five, I think. Could be twenty five, twenty six. Yeah. All right. So I mean not okay. So go back, you know, nine years from twenty five years old, right? And so you're sixteen, which is, you know young and 16 to 25 is pretty much an important part like in your growth as a person right kind of maturing out of your teens into an adult figuring out how to make a career of this disc golf thing the sport growing him growing um i, I already mentioned this but i think truly if you go back and watch his trajectory as a player do you remember when he was so good but he just couldn't win remember like mm -hmm. the australian open like right down anything he just couldn't win that was the thing about eagle just couldn't finish um eventually got some under his belt and it's kind of broken out of that again maturity just the way he talks about the sport on the course he's had mistakes right remember breaking the hand slamming the ground um so i mean he has just like had a lot of growth while he's there and i think you can see in his announcement video just kind of the the true thank you in the way he's leaving um how i think that'll probably always have a soft place in his heart um, and even though it's all business, which is evidenced by the fact that he's leaving, um, there is sometimes more than just business. Uh, business is the primary driver, but it's great to kind of see that attachment, that thankfulness, both from the sponsor and the player. Um, I think it's a healthy way to transition. Um, we've seen non-healthy ways, I think, i.e. Gannon and Prodigy, although at the end, I think they both had a lot of respect for the way they handled the end of the contract. But um, I just think, you know, Congrats to Eagle with a nine, nine solid years with the manufacturer and the way he's kind of handling this announcement. Um, kudos to him. I'm sure he's going to take home a great deal wherever it ends up being, right? Regardless of our guesses. If it's to MVP, I bet you we don't hear the dollars. But just because it wasn't announced with Simon, uh, unless someone wants to leak it. And quite frankly, and if it's with Innova, we're not going to hear the dollars. So, like, I don't, I don't know if we hear the dollars anywhere anymore for a while. Hmm. Can we just? Talk yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Can what? we just random, randomly mention how smart James Conrad was to going to MVP? Like, what what a move by him. I mean, his brand. I I know we hit the holy shot, but his brand ever since moving there has 
in my opinion, gone through the roof where he was the main guy for a while. And now that Simon's there, he is going to keep bringing them all up to the top. Yeah. Well, what a move. I mean, yes, I agree. What a move by MVP. Yeah. Same, 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 same thing. But yeah. uh, exactly. I, I understand. But like, that's like, and uh, yeah, uh, Ryan made a comment. He's like, the, you know, the holy shot paid for Simon and Simon paid for Eagle. So who's Eagle going to pay for, you know, like well, that's, that's the growth of a company and we're, we're, yeah, yeah, we're seeing the growth of a company, uh, right. We're, we're interpreting that or measuring that by the, the size of the names that they sponsor. Obviously at the end of the day, they measure it in the bottom line in their business. And I'm sure both are looking good. Yeah. And I don't want to overlook Silva Saarinen. Uh, FPO player, joint MVP. Um, MVP, if you look back at the development of them, whether they struck lightning with everything perfect and James throwing in, like, I don't know. But where they're at now, lining up lots of great players that used to be kind of a... I hate to say it and it's going to come off rough, but like Raven was like one of their headliners, Sarah Hokum. Granted, Sarah Hokum has a history, a legacy, and she's a legend of the sport and she could beat up on me any given round. But like as their headliner, it's great that they had her, but like a headliner FPO player. Um, and I'm trying to think even of the other uh, Justin Billadu. Like there was like <laughs> yeah, Matt true. Dollar. Like it was these names that you're like were willing to play with their plastic because they liked it and mvp was willing to only invest a certain amount because they only had one machine <laughs> but like now that they had this whether like i said it's lightning or not the ability to start making these moves maybe a little bit of risk but they're they're playing the numbers right and now they're starting to bring in these other players like i said um and if if it happens to be eagle they have now become i mean simon's great greatest everyone loves him he throws discs really cool and he can win any given event but like if you start adding lineup uh, they're they're you know taking their chances let's say on paul kranz rookie of the year for the pdga good friend of ours i play on a team with him <laughs> actually this saturday i'll be playing up there with him um my point is that's really cool. So there's storylines either way. And if he goes to Innova, Josh, it's historic in some ways because we'll yeah, like, then I want to see how that plays out. Yeah, yeah. I want to see how it plays out. So there you go. Um, I asked this in a, a group chat earlier. The answer is pretty unanimous, although I'm interested in uh, what the chat thinks, even though I can't see the chat. Ben can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was the bigger the announcement, the bigger announcement. I'm not going to give any like, details of what i mean by that but just the bigger announcement was it eagle saying i'm leaving dismania or was it gannon saying i'm leaving prodigy some of you are going to answer by a surprise factor that can be part of it but let's just say so answer that question i guess josh so, you you said do you say so what's what's a bigger say it again bigger yeah surprise? What, what was bigger the bigger story? news the bigger announcement I mean, and, given the given the context, that, just that criteria, just that criteria, yeah. it's pretty easy, right? Yeah, given given the context, it's definitely eagle for ben, a small list of reasons. Do you agree? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and I'll put words in everyone else's mouths and my own. It's eagles the bigger move. 
but then let's go let's play a little bit of like change thing change the history a little bit if if it's a big if but gannon didn't have the falling out the law legal issues um and he was playing the way he was this last year which was really great and we thought he loved prodigy and surprise again it says i'm leaving prodigy with that storyline does it change anything for you i know it's hypothetical so does it seem bigger i think i think eagle even even if that was the case i think eagle would remain the bigger news to me because i view prodigy as they're established but they're a little of a smaller company in my opinion they i don't think i think they haven't i guess this many and project haven't been around that long but in my opinion they don't gannon has been doing so well that he probably would seek after something that pays him the big bucks um whereas eagle simon just leaves freeing up a lot of cap space hypothetical for this mania it's a no-brainer like okay eagle we're gonna offer you what we're gonna offer simon and then some because you're our guy we have kyle klein we don't want to lose you you're a guy let's 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 get, make, give you a lot of money i know with the whole house of this thing it might be trickier like finances wise and how they're getting new plastics and they love leaving innova but it would make the most sense to me and eagle has been on this mania for like you said nine years and he's been established with this mania for that long We've only known Gannon for about two years with Prodigy, so it makes sense that he would leave. Um, but Eagle is definitely more of a shock to me, no matter what. No matter what, you yeah. feel the same, Josh? Yeah, I mean, in, in the public eye, I think that's true. I mean, there's some assumptions there. Been you like think? I mean, you said how long was Gannon with Prodigy? But he grew up as a kid, which is not that long. But like throwing their discs, right? So there's a lot of kind of like history for him ingrained. But I, at the end of the day, I completely like agree um we all know how good gannon is and we see the upside but i'm going to keep coming back to this and saying um and maybe it's beating a dead horse but i can talk about the business side of disc golf as much as we want i think uh the comparing the brand which i know is like a generalized statement i put quotes around the brand because there's a lot included there right um but the brand between the two is almost no like comparison yet um you know, literally a brand is like when you stop and think, what do you think? And Eagle encompasses a whole bunch of things that Discmania has helped build for him over the years, right? Um, you know, the, the crush bros and again, like see the response when he's over in Europe. Gannon hasn't even went over to Europe. Um, you know, Eagle's vlogs early on the way Discmania promoted, you know, him and Simon, which really kind of lifted both of their sales. Um, and Gannon has plenty of media stuff, right? He's hilarious on Alden's <laughs> vlogs and, um, and he's good at disc golf, uh, incredibly good, right? So like, I'm not saying there's any problem there, but if you compare the brands now, Gannon can grow that. And I think he will. In fact, what's really intriguing to me is I see some comparisons to him and Eagle from years ago. You. I was just going to um, ask you that. And so yeah. give it like, I mean, he's already incredibly good. That's not what I'm saying, right? But give him like three more years of maturing on the road, which maturing means a lot of things on the course and off the course. Um, like his ceiling could be higher than Eagles. Um, you know, especially if he stays healthy because Eagles lost a year or two in here, right? There, um, yeah. So I, so like it's, but I'm just saying right now, like the brand between the two, like Eagle makes a big splash 
and Gannon makes a smaller splash. And so that's what I'm comparing it. Yeah. The, the only, and there's so many caveats to that. And like, that's the argument about the greatest of all time and all these conversations, but like Gannon won the U S disc golf championship. One of the most sought after biggest events of your whole career minus the impact that worlds has. A lot of players say they would rather USDGC if you set aside like the impact of what it does for your career. The actual winning of the event seems more prestigious than win USDGC. So like he's done that so young. And so there are comparisons between him and Eagle, no doubt. And I see that because he's young. He needs to, I, I, I wouldn't say prove himself on the course, but I think what he needs to do is continue to develop his brand. And I think, I think that's what we're going to start seeing. Because without spilling all the deets on the deets, what am I, <laughs> Mr. Hip, with all the details on, <laughs> I don't know what just happened there. I've never said that before in my life. <laughs> so, Mr. Hip, hey. Hey. So, my point is like knowing inside scoops, feelings on what he's been making. And we saw the numbers that Prodigy had in their legal suit. Like, hey, we'd offer him this much. And you're like, he's not even making that much. You know what I mean? So it's like, he's making, I think he's going to make a lot more, which what do we know that to do? Besides make you well off, it'll, <laughs> it frees you up and it gives you money to invest into your brand. Not only should the company do that for you, which I think will happen wherever he goes, but because they're going to want to, but also he's going to have that freedom to start doing things. He could... I don't know this for sure, but he could hire a video guy to follow him around on tour. Like just saying, like, I think we're going to see the brand side develop a lot more with Gannon. Yep. Yeah. It's just, we don't like, it's easy to forget how young Gannon is. Um, right. Eagle used to be that young, but with the passage of time, I mean, he's 25 and 25 is quite different than 18. I mean, that's a silly statement to like say, but like, it really is everything from on course, off course maturity. And Gannon's Gannon? already showed his performance. But like just add, so and if I don't even know what you're going to say, Matt, but if you're going to say he's already so mature in how he thinks about it, then add five more years to that, right? It'll be a What I was just going to say is I had the privilege and honor of having an 18-year-old stay at my house for the two weeks, uh, one before the MVP and one during. And that kid is smart with disc golf. I'm talking like his intelligence level with this, the co competition of disc golf that's why he's that's why he wins. He's good, but he's also extremely smart. Yeah, like, and add some add some time to that. Yeah. That, that's my like that, that's just true in any career or anything. Anybody, like anybody who's listening, like whatever you're the best at, like there's probably somebody who's been a little bit better, more successful and a big part of it is they have more time at it. It's just like it's almost always a factor obviously at some point in uh, sports performance then your body starts to tail off. But you find that sweet spot where the body's still primed and you've had more experience, right, for the head game. Like that is like, that's the home run, right? And that's where I think Gannon's, if he sticks with all that, still has that ahead of him. And Eagle still has it ahead of him as well, but he's further into it. Now, Ben, yep. and I, I say there's all the love in the world for players like you and me. We would focus on our brand from the content and marketing perspective hardcore like that's how you and i are going to get through the world <laughs> like if we're trying to make a brand yeah but i would but i would argue and say that for these players 
Like, let's go back to Paul Macbeth, which came first, his brand or his performance? You could say they grew at the same time, but the reality is like you didn't, besides a signature disc, like as in like his actual signature on and in of a disc, like you didn't have a brand for, that we could observe. And maybe that was part of the plan, but for quite a while, almost until Discraft. Like you started seeing the new logo, branding, representation, yep. the whole thing, Paul Macbeth Foundation, all that stuff starts coming after Paul had established himself as a competitor. And that was his brand. Like he wasn't the guy you'd see going out and partying after rounds. You wouldn't see him, in fact, unless he was competing just about. Like, so my point is, if Gannon can nail that down, I think that's really, it's super important, of course. And I think his brand will follow suit. And I think that's, we're all on the same page, I think. We're just looking at it yeah. from different perspectives. I've always, I've always said this, that the best thing you can do for your brand is win. <laughs> It's just flat out win. You you could be a you could be a cardboard box, stale as a cucumber, or I don't even know what I'm saying, but <laughs> what? What? Just just don't you could you could be stale and if you win, you're gonna get fans and you're gonna be liked just because people wanna see performance. The second best way and is the most common way is to just put yourself out there. I mean, we just saw uh Bodanza, Anthony Bodanza signed to infinite discs. And I'm guessing it's a money contract where Infinite sees that, oh, this kid moves plastic. He has 30,000 subscribers. He's a brand. He's only 970 rated, and no offense to him, wouldn't really do, if he went touring, he wouldn't do that well as of right now. I know that's his goal. But Infinite Disc, he has that brand, which is huge for making money and, and creating conversions and what a lot of companies are interested i see all the time like these kind of like amateur type of like team street teams or underground what they're looking for now is people that are posting on social media or are heavily in the disc golf community through like tournament director but you're most likely the easiest way to grab a fan base is just like putting yourself out there and that's why we see so many of these disc golfers now creating tiktoks and videos and that because if you can't win you can still make money by being personable. I exactly good job. Yeah, it, yeah, it's an intersection of of both, right? And there's like, it's it, again, I work in the industry of kind of AI, so we use the term algorithm a lot, right? But the algorithm talks about there's multiple inputs, right, that calculate to an output, and there is no one precise way, right, to get to the top of the game from a branding standpoint. Um, but you're correct, Ben, there's a few that are known entities and winning is one of them, right? That input is going to put you at the top of the game. Um, and if you can win and promote yourself, then you're going to be ahead. Yes. It's, it's the perfect, perfect, perfect storm, perfect combination. Which is why, like I said, and again, I say this with all love, which is why Ben and I would have to hustle harder than anybody we wanted to have a name in the sport yeah exactly yeah exactly. And, and if you and if you weren't winning you could still have a name but your name would be not winning it would be different <laughs> and i don't want to pick on players right now because like i'm i don't want to do a whole segment on that but everybody can take a minute to think about the players who are purely on a team because they bring that marketing like yeah. they're not winners and I don't mean that offensively, like their mom's like, you're not a winner. I mean that like actually competitively, like they're not winning. So 
and they're not placing high. So there is the win. Ha, there you go. There's the win for that for the brand. They yeah. can Although like, it would be fun for us to start rating people based on what their moms think of them. If their moms think they're <laughs> a winner or not. What's with this? Ben says stale is a card. No, cardboard, is a cardboard box stale is a cucumber. Let like, me give a caveat. Someone said someone i i didn't mean winning as in you win one pro tour i mean like prolific winning like you're like like uh oh, right. max yeah. van what's his name on the f1 max verstappen 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 where it's just like he's just he just prolifically wins and that's the best thing for your brand not like someone said emerson keith and brody smith who has more of a brand yes emerson won but brody obviously that's why i'm saying if emerson was that wins, a real was that, I mean, I don't mean that offensively. Was that actually a question in the chat? Well, they, they were just saying that who has a better brand, Emerson oh, they or were, Brody. Maybe they were trying to make that point, right? <laughs> yeah, they were saying, yeah. yeah. I'm just okay. saying if Emerson won like five Pro Tours or four within the past year, it'd be a little different story. Um, and you know, you're still going to, you're not going to touch Brody Smith for a long time as far as brand. Well, yeah, he's, he's just a content machine. He's a content machine. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. That's the second best thing you to can do. To catch up just, to him. Keep, to keep catch up to him and be content. pretty hard. Like you're going to have to be, like you said, we already said it. Let's move on. You have to win and you have to be likable. The end. <laughs> like, all right. Um, getting ready here soon to bring in Jesse Weiss, probably another 10 minutes or so, but get ready. We're going to talk more about this kind of stuff uh, relating to more culmination of the surveys that were responded to by fans regarding manufacturers, plastic companies, all the different stuff. All different stuff. We're excited to hear about that. Last time he demonstrated the value of the Nick and Matt show. Remember that? That was awesome. All right. Are you are you teeing us up for another topic? Uh, I, I do have another quick topic. What do you got? I was just going to say, do you think there's anything intentional about the, the timing? Like if you're these companies right now, like hmm. in past years, we've seen weird things about timing. We've seen things drop before contracts were ended. Um, but now, right, certain companies seem to wait right to the end, and then you have these players waiting. Why are they waiting? Are they waiting for marketing reasons? Are they waiting for contract reasons? Um, if you're sitting here, and there's actually multiple names, so I'm not leaving anybody out on purpose. We already mentioned them all, so you can go back and listen if you missed it. But if I'm going to keep talking about Eagle and Gannon, is either one of those companies, presuming they're not the same one, trying to beat each other? Like if Gannon and Eagle announce on the same day, is Gannon's news? Like, it's not lost, but is it like second tier to Eagles? Like, I just, I wonder if it's interesting. You know, back like, um, you know, with Ricky's announcement, they had to have the helicopter fly him in. Like, is, you know, it's one of these companies working on all that right now, like trying to figure it out. <laughs> anyway, we don't have to elaborate, no, but I just think point. it's interesting to think about it's January 8th. You know, what are they waiting for? Well, I think the bigger changes deserve the bigger moment. So to your point, yes, I think that I would hope so. They're trying to make some significant reveal, um, stand out, and then completion. Um, knowing what I've known for years now, let's just say the past few years, players are not settled like we think they are. Like really i'm not gonna say names because they don't need to show that history because they haven't told me i could divulge this stuff but like maybe right up until like right and for eagle it's possible that right up until this week he hadn't decided and it was a very okay i'm deciding now 
Discmania is like, we need to know right now or else you're off the team kind of a thing. I, I'm not, I'm putting words in people's mouths. My point is like, we don't always know. And so it's very possible that that's the situation too. And so then you have to wait. Um, but some of them, I think they're waiting just because they're big and they want to make a big reveal for it to your point. So that was, that was a good insight or a good question. Good topic. Um, two to $3,000 for an all-inclusive four-day disc golf getaway in Cancun can be yours with the Dave Matthews band performing mm. on the beach nightly powered by Innova. We're not giving this away, but my question to you is they're getting free advertisement in this. You can go to Cancun Matthews band free advertising. Yeah. So they're, they, the way that this appears to me is that these resorts will offer, you know, opportunities, package deals. And they're say Dave Matthews band is going to be here for these four days. And I don't know if it's Innova specifically, but it's powered by Innova. Big germs going to be there. Another guy, Chris Shotwell, Chris Brophy. Uh, these are Innova players and they're going to be there and they're going to do a disc golf tournament every day, disc golf clinic every day, um, games, Dave Matthews band every evening, uh, resort Cancun. Now, again, this is free advertising for them, but I just wanted to bring up as a topic. What is that worth to the average disc golfer? They, they realize that most of the packages are sold out and they're like, hey, the big ones are big, but anywhere from $2,500 to $3,000 for four days. And I don't think that includes airfare. How are you going to get there? Like, this isn't for the average disc golfer, but for the super fan, I mean, is that cool? This, they say once in a lifetime. I mean, if it's me and I like Dave Matthews, which I like him good enough, that would be a pretty cool experience if I had the money to drop. But like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you hear that? Does it sound super cool to you guys? Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big. It, I think it is very cool that I'm hoping the festival people kind of were like, oh, what would be a great package, you know, to offer people at this thing to make them money? I, I'm th I'm hoping it's that and not like anybody reaching out like, oh, we could offer this because that'd yeah. be cool that they're recognizing disc golf as a way to kind of lure more fans to their to their experience. Um, but I'm not a huge Dave Matthews Band fan. But I do think it's cool if you are, it, it, it kind of has to be a perfect storm. If you're a big fan and you really love disc golf, then yeah, it seems like a good package. But it's all the way in Cancun, like you're saying, like it's a lot. Yeah. You got to be either a big fan or really rich. And you're going to play disc golf on a Jack Nicholas designed golf course too. Because they have like golf packages. I Ben, to your point, I actually think this might have been Innova reaching out and planning this. Um, but this is a thing and josh i'll let you comment if you have any interest in commenting but like there have been disc golf cruises in the past so these like it's interesting i think mixing disc golf into your vacation i don't know i just don't know if i could get my wife to buy into that one like like so then i feel like it's got to be for the non it has to be for the disc golf couple or for the single disc golfer because to spend that much money and I'm like, bye, honey. I'm going to go play disc golf tournament, you know? I don't know. Any reactions, Josh, to this? Just a random topic I saw pop up today. I, it, it definitely has a place for some people. And the truth is that's all it has to have. 
Mm-hmm. What I mean is it doesn't have to resonate with everybody. It has to resonate with enough people who want to do it. And I think it likely does because look at the disc golf community, which is diverse, just like a lot of communities. We may not be as diverse as, as we'd like, but I think there's a music festival scene, uh, vacation, drinking, music, and disc golf, all of which can be had at Cancun. Um, and yeah, that's a lot of money, but it's not outrageous for like, a, a, you know, yeah. that type of trip that you just stated. And if you live closer to that particular, you know, Western part of the country, it's not as hard to get down to Cancun. Honestly, it really isn't that crazy. So, um, if you're asking me my life stage, my family, my vacation interests, like it doesn't resonate with me, but I don't think that's a problem for Innova. I think it's like, oh yeah, they weren't marketing to me in the first place. So I think it's just fine. Um, yeah. It's cool. It's, it's a cool thing to see. That's all. Yeah. It's pot. And exactly. I think the more offerings there are for people, the better, actually. Um, it's possible that the end of a coordinators are like, we would like a free vacation. if We can just get 10 people to sign up. Like we can do this, you know? So like, that's, I mean, I'm not trying to like slight them, but I'm saying like, yeah, as long as there's enough people that want to do it, it could be eight people. I don't know. Maybe it's 12, maybe it's 20. I don't know. But. Well, yeah. Well, if we offer the staggered stance, like, you mm. know, experience in the future yeah and like you know i mean again it doesn't actually have to matter to the hundreds of thousands of listeners we have it only has to matter to like 20 of them Mm, good point let's do that where should we go yeah all right Drop, drop us a comment where we should go um how about this quick question before we bring in jess jesse weiss um how does isaac robinson Josh, by the way, we're still talking about him years later. If we go back to oh, yeah, <laughs> bring let's it not up. bring that up. That's another show, another time, another it's so era. Funny. It just happened. Mistakes I mean, were made, you know. Mistakes were made, and here we are. But yeah. world champion later. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, we go back to league night somewhere on DG, and you can find it. This was one of the first events that Isaac ever showed up at ever. And Josh more or less was like, I think it was. He didn't say lucky, but I don't think we'll hear about him again. Well, here he is. So let me ask this question. How does Isaac feel about missing out on player of the year award twice? No disc golf pro tour, no PDGA. PDGA is points calculation. Uh, Disc golf pro tour is largely votes. How do you think Isaac feels like guys? I won two like big events. Like I did well at all of them. I mean, I like, I, of course, I don't know how his actual feelings are, um, but I think he's just fine mm-hmm. because he had an incredible year. He won the events he wanted to win. And I think in both cases, he's not surprised. One's a numbers calculation and he just straight up didn't get the numbers. And the other one, I think he would probably be like, mm-hmm. I understand why Calvin got it. So it's kind of like, I don't know, but you know, maybe your feelings are a little bit like, ah, man, I was close. Like, you know, so there's, there's gotta be some feelings there, but I doubt they feel like, um, wow, I was done wrong. Like I I can't imagine you would have that feeling. Let's, let's play a quick game for the future. Like future forward thinking, Ben. Does this happen again in the next five years in disc golf where the person who didn't win worlds or a major gets player of the year in the next five years 
Um, Does this happen again? Does a player like Calvin win player of the year again in the next five years? I'd say, yeah, I'd say yes. If they're consistent enough, like Calvin was, I mean, Calvin was basically finishing. Don't hold consistently me this, but, not winning. No, I'm kidding. But he was consistent. He, he, he was winning, but he was also com- yeah. consistently like top five. I don't even, it was a, there was an insane streak towards the beginning of the season. Yeah. But I will yeah, say, but, go ahead. Finish, I was like, I will say this caveat. Um, no one's going to remember Calvin as player of the year this year. Everyone's going to remember. I don't think so. We're, we're, it it we're, stood out enough as like a weird thing in my mind. Not weird that he won it because I think he deserved it. But it stood out weird enough that I'm like, the guy who won Worlds or Majors or whatever what, like didn't get What it. I'm trying to get to is five years from now, we're going to remember Isaac Robinson's World. Worlds. And yeah. maybe Champions Cup, that still needs to get a little more, um, I guess, mm-hmm. ingrained in history for it to matter more. But no one's going to be like, oh, yeah, Calvin won player of the year that year. In my opinion, I think it does. I, I think what I'm trying to say is I don't think he's phased at all because he won Worlds, and that's going to be in the history books forever. And player of the year is a really cool accolade. But it was kind of like the thing that happened with Ricky and Paul last year, how Ricky was saying, like, the player of the year is the best player, not the world champion. But, um, yeah, we right now remember the world champion, and we don't remember Player of the Year. Who was Player of the Year three years ago? I, I don't know. These know. awards are getting bigger, though. The argument would be that every year the Pro Tour has been established, it's been getting bigger. So it is hard to remember back towards the beginning. Josh, did you have a comment on this? No? Nothing. I mean, like, plenty. No, nothing to add. Okay. Uh, and then I will just wrap up with this right as we get ready to bring Jesse in. Is Does getting a PDGA or Disc Golf Pro Tour award mean more? If you had to choose, because you can't put yourself in there seat if you will but if you had to choose and you could win one or the other it's kind of tough to ask but let's go with player of the year do you want it to be more or less fan media tour vote or do you want it to be points straight up from the pdga which would be your preference josh i mean in 2023 or 2024 i want it to be the pro tour i think there that's that's the thing the pro tour is largely why we have a show why there's disc golf media, why the fans are where they're at. And I know it's backed in the foundations of PDGA and it has the long history of its own tour, but it's the pro tour, like in my opinion. And how do you feel, Sam? Um, what was the question again? Sorry, I was reading the chat. Pick- <laughs> it takes a lot. It's, it's doing hard. a lot. Yeah, you know, it's hard managing. Would you rather player of the year from the pro tour or the PDGA? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, yeah, 100% from the Pro Tour, I think it should be opinions-based, but it should be from valid opinions that kind of invest. Like, I think media is a good point. I think tour card holders, and and then I think a small percent should be fan vote, but not enough to sway a ton because, um, I don't know. It, it's points. Points can be weird. Points, we talk about, like, ratings and systems and all that, how points can be weird, but I think the overall feel of a season is a lot more important than these hypothetical points that are pretty arbitrary, in my opinion. Okay. So we have our new, uh, you know, updated look here. It's similar in some ways, fresh in others, uh, staggered stance. So we've never, I don't know, this transition should work the same. Probably be our new logo, Ben. But we're going to go ahead and bring in... um, and I don't know if you have to hit the music. Do you have that? I don't even know if I, I have yeah, that Yeah, I button, think so. I got it. All right. So let's go ahead and bring into the show, everybody. Jesse Weiss, writer, author, 
uh, survey stats extraordinaire, putting them together, giving us the beats. There it is again. <laughs> Two times in one night. Yeah, man, perfect. Hey, what's up, Jess? Good. Uh, welcome to Staggered Stance. This is going to be one for the record book, fiction, statter fiction, I think. Uh, you are the first official guest ever on the new rebranded Staggered Stance. So write that one down, people. It may come up one day. Jesse Weiss. All right, Jesse, why do we have you back? And that's not a question. I mean, I, this rhetorical. <laughs> like, why, why are you here, Jesse? <laughs> But um, you last were on our show and we were talking about the fandom surveys and how they how you could find really cool information with what the people submitted as what they're fans of. Uh, we talked everything from shoes to disc sales to least favorite people. I don't want to say people who people voted that was not their favorite player, who their favorite players were, all of that. You have since put together more how fans feel about disc golf manufacturers. That one's a little interesting. Um, fans' relation to discs, how fans feel about media and commentators. I'm going to kind of let you tell us a few interesting things, maybe from each of those. I think people would like to hear what you come up with there. If there's anything that you'd like to start off talking about, the floor is yours. So the fandom survey was a survey that went out to disc golf fans. We had about 3,040 fans fill out the survey. It takes about 20 minutes to fill it out. Uh, so this is a hefty survey and we're able to get some deep analysis and knowledge on how disc golf fans feel about many different aspects of the game. And uh, we packaged that into so far five articles and there's another article coming out soon. Uh, the articles, as you said, they speak about how fans feel about manufacturers and how fans feel about the players themselves. Um, and uh, recently we're going to be uh, released also since we last spoke uh, an article about how fans feel about discs uh, and how fans feel about the commentators and media. And soon we're going to have a tomorrow, we're going to have an article coming out about how fans feel about the courses. We can go through some of those articles and go over some of the most interesting aspects of those articles uh, in this conversation. But you just spent a long time talking about where Eagle's going to go, where Gannon's going to go. Uh, we have some, we don't know, we can't predict where they're going to go, but we do have some uh, information on where they might be the best fit with their fans. Uh, so this is something I think we discussed on the last time I was on the show. Um, but if it's in our article about disc manufacturers, I don't know if you had a chance to see that, uh, that matrix that we have at the bottom of the article that shows. I, yeah, I, I will say I have looked through and I'm not going to lie, I've looked at so much information in the last few weeks that it's not like standing out to me. But what I would love for you to do is to point out a few of your favorite things that, I mean, there's so much. It's probably hard to say favorite, but what is it that stood out to you about some of these? Uh, well, so if we talk about, um, we, we looked at, we asked players, if, if we asked fans who their favorite uh, manufacturer was. And then they also rated the players on a zero to 10 scale. And we're able to see preference gaps based on which manufacturer was the fan's favorite. So we can see that, um, I'm looking here right now, uh, with Eagle, with Discmania fans, he had a 1.67 preference gap. So that means on a zero to 10 scale, Discmania fans are giving Eagle a 1.67 higher than the average fan. And we can look at the 
um, the scores oh. that fans of other manufacturers gave him to get an idea of where he might be a, a good fit. For example, Prodigy fans gave him a negative 0.81 off of his average. So he might okay, not be a good fit okay. for Prodigy. Discraft gave him a negative, uh, fans gave him a negative 6.63. So again, not a great fit there. Um, but then you've got uh, MVP is a 0.11. So that's barely over the average. Uh, Latitude 64 is a 0.04, again, barely over the average. So that gives you an idea. Innova is a, a negative 0.24, so in the negative. Those things are just, those numbers are just marginally above average, so they shouldn't read into those too much. But that kind of gives you an idea that where might might be the best fit for Eagle. Okay. So it took me and my brain just a little bit to catch up with what how you were starting that. But I love it because this what I, I enjoy the most about what you do is look at how data relates to itself. So I, I will say it in the way that I understood it. A player who said Discmania was their favorite manufacturer, you can now look at and say all the people who said Discmania was their favorite, like how did they rate the players as their favorite? And it appears that in the case of like Eagle McMahon, they gave because Eagles Discmania, presumably. They, they preferred him as a their favorite player a little bit more, or at least one point more, one and a half points more than anybody else, which seems pretty obvious, I'm going to say. It seems obvious if you're a favorite of a plastic type, you're going to favor that fan more. Did you find anything that was shocking or really interesting, or was it all pretty much right in line with that? I mean, for example, Joel Freeman is preferred by Dynamic Discs fans <gasps> compared to Innova fans. There you go. Uh, wow. Paige Pierce is preferred preferred by MVP fans over Discraft fans. Uh, you know, there's there some go. interesting statistics along the way where we can see that. But you can also see some players don't really connect with their fans. Like Coriolis wins the European Open, and Discraft fans barely like him more than the average fan. So he didn't seem to connect with them in that way. So what you just shared was exactly what I was asking for, which I find very interesting. The, the reasoning groups of people, tour friends, all that kind of stuff, the fans that are connected to, that's really interesting to find those, those players. Um, obviously Josh and Ben, anything that stands out to you, feel free to jump in here. I think I want to go back real quick and we can move into a next topic here, how maybe that stuff relates, but Joel Freeman made a post recently. I don't know if you saw it, but it was it wasn't quite about likability. But if I had to summarize it all in one, it was kind of like, hey, I'm going to work harder at being more likable. Now, again, that's not his reason. That's not all, all that stuff. He didn't say that. But I do find it really compelling that, you know, the survey showed that he already had been working on it. But like it just must have been one of those. I made it onto a survey and I'm third from the bottom. So I think this survey is going to serve really cool purposes, if not only for people that talk disc golf like us, but I think also for uh, players and their brands. I think if I was a player, I'd be looking for this survey next year to see where I landed on the survey. So um, before we move on from that topic, Josh or Ben, any thoughts on correlation between plastic and companies or pretty straightforward? Yeah, I just uh, thanks Jesse for sharing it. I'm actually I'm looking at that chart on my screen right now as well, and uh, it raises lots of questions. But we're not going to go player by player with you. So, um, <laughs> thanks for sharing the data. I, I mean, in general, this is an obvious statement, which I think you acknowledge as well. But it's kind of like, yeah, what's influencing what here, right? That's actually the question for the players and the manufacturers to think about and say, go to a name you mentioned. So for Coriolis, 
why in the world is you know our prodigy or you know fans of prodigy rating them higher right like what is it about that that's the question is there a history right did that person used to throw prodigy um you know are they on tour with somebody like you said media presence those are the things so when you look at like eagle yeah it's like all right so mvp fans rate him higher than innova fans but if innova signs him does that likely change like within weeks probably but that's an interesting bet for a manufacturer to be certain what's behind that number right like make sure there's not something else that's a gotcha that we're always swimming upstream with that player because for some reason their brand does not resonate with our brand so i think it's pretty cool we have a lot to learn i mean this is the first time we've done that kind of study and over the years i hope we'll learn more and we'll better analyze the why behind those numbers mm, yeah for sure mm. But I do like it. I like, see, this is what the numbers allow you to do is have these conversations, which Josh, you bring that point up. It is interesting because now manufacturers start looking at this and go, oh, it'd be a great fit. And then <laughs> they find out, like you said, Josh, a gotcha, maybe. Um, so th th I found that really interesting. Any other final interesting thoughts with, with that topic? You mentioned Paige, you mentioned uh, Joel Freeman. Um, is there anything else that stands out or does that kind of wrap that one up? Uh, well, we can uh, just a quick point is the prodigy players really jump off the page if you look at that that uh, that that matrix and uh, the table. So you can see that they are they score much higher above average with prodigy fans than they do with the general public compared to other players relationship with fans of their brand. Interesting. There you go. See, there's another one. You're dropping all these nuggets and my speculative brain immediately goes to all the, I guess I can't say all the bad PR. They won a world championship this year, thanks to Isaac. But it was a pretty negative time for them this year in a lot of ways. The undertone, at least, or in some cases, the overtone. And I perceived, as a fan of disc golf, prodigy street team and prodigy players that are really diehard for this, where I felt like trying to compensate in a lot of ways for being overly positive. Like this is like fantastic, like trying to help. And so maybe that's a little bit of what we saw there in the survey. They're like, I'm going to make sure we give them all the love. Uh, maybe it was an overreaction. I don't know. I love talking about this stuff though. Thanks for sharing that one. That, um, that's a, a reasonable conclusion. Oh, well, thank you, Jesse. I'm sure you had it before me, but there you go. <laughs> so um, anything else um, before we move on? The other topics that you want to talk about with this, I can go through it, but I'm sure you have something laid out in front of you as well. We've got a lot of articles, so we can move on to the next one. Yeah, that's now, what I'm this thinking. This article yeah. I didn't write. This is by Josiah Zuzman, uh, Zuzma, sorry, um, and he is one of the the partners on the on the program. He's a uh, develop, developmental neuroscientist, um, and he's here in Philadelphia. I think he's 960 rated. He's a you know solid disc golfer, um, and he's also a Statmando guy. And so Evan actually introduced him to me. So thanks to Evan for what for up, Evan. Apparently Evan's flying right now. That's why he's not on the show tonight. But there you That'll go. Do my friends. <laughs> the button hit the hit the button, Ben. It's there. That'll do my friends. Perfect. Now Evan's here. All right. Go ahead and give it to us, Jesse. This sounds interesting. So um, we one of the questions we asked on the survey was roughly how many discs do you own? Oh so, boy. Uh, I guess I, if you haven't read the the seen this this table or don't have it in front of you, this uh, this this chart. You know, any guesses at what percentage of fans have more than 500 discs? Ooh, this is a game. 
Uh, I'm already cheating. I'm looking at the article. What? Okay, so Josh can't answer. Ben, did you see this article? I have not. Okay, so this is out of 3,000 respondents. Can, can you tell us how many of the respondents 100%. answered this question? All of them? Uh, yeah, we had... Close. Uh, I don't have the sample size, but yet, you know, close okay. to 3,000. All right, let's just say close to, to 3,000 or whatever. Um, we just get a same percentage. Yep, yep. Uh yeah, I, I guess I was doing percentage, but in my head also, I'm thinking that's how many people might that actually be. But um, I would say, whew, this is sad in some ways, 20% of people. I'm gonna, Holy moly, man. I'm going to go with 5% because 500 is a lot. Yeah, you win, Ben. It's 4.4%. I went so high. It's not that sad, but I mean, it would be great for the industry. <laughs> Um, uh, what we found that the highest percent, uh, was, um, 26 to 50 discs are owned by 19.2% of our respondents. And then, uh, kind of the, the, and that's, that's roughly a bag of discs plus a, an extra set. Um, and like the highest, highest numbers are in 51 to 75 discs, 76 to 100 discs. That's kind of, and then 101 to 150. So that's kind of where most people are, somewhere between 26 and 150 discs. What about, where, where do I land in there? I think if I had the count, we're probably at like 350, somewhere in that range. Where does that fall? I'm a small percentage too, I'm sure. 4.1%. Uh, you're, you're in the top 10% of disc owners uh, and i want to be clear like i'm not a massive disc collector i do have a significant amount that i have collected myself but reality is my two kids play for team and they get a, a 50 disc allotment each every year and so between that anyways long story short is yeah people have lots of discs if we ask terry miller over smashbox he could he probably is in the top half a percent plus others there's others out there john kirkland and all these disc golf collectors but they have full garages full of these storage containers so anyways that's not where the survey was going but what stood out to you interesting about this anything specific beyond like hey 500 plus this is a very small percentage of people anything else that relates to it uh well one of the other questions we asked is how many discs did you purchase within the, within the past 12 months as mm. kind of a, a for yourself so this is not if you're a reseller or anything like that so that's that was a follow-up and we could do another trivia question what percent of uh respondents uh had 31 plus bought 31 or more discs oh you're asking that question what, what i'm asking okay. that question um well what's interesting is your largest group when they answered it sounded to me it was almost like a bag of discs like as in it was like their disc golf bag because i think the numbers you had were like right in that range and maybe they had a couple extras so it would make me think this is a pretty small percentage of people that are buying 30 discs because if that was the case, it, the numbers would be skewed differently. Uh, I'm getting off topic or off track here. I'm going to say it's a low, a low percentage of people that are buying 30 a year and go down and say it's probably 8%. It's probably a little lower than that. Ben, what do you think? Um, I am working put your, on... Put yourself up on screen. So... I'm working behind the scenes to try and put a, put us all four up because we don't have a scene for that. So I'm going to have to pass on this one. So I'm hard at work. No. Trying no, to make okay. a four up. It's fine. It's don't, don't worry about the four up scenes. I, I was going to guess 16.38%. Okay. But... 
And you would be ben, right on it. Ben, 60%. Sorry to sidetrack there, Ben. That's probably too much to do right now, honestly. And it's going to create more work for me later. Okay, too. sorry. Just, you're, you're good. Because we didn't have you're four hours so like yeah. grinding to try and get that done, but it's all good. You're good. You know, you're good cycling. I a few things are up in the air for this week. That's why we said we're uh test driving a lot of this. We'll get ready for the full season kickoff come February. Um, so what's the number there, Jesse? It was 16%. Oh, 16. Man, see, I underdo that one, but I just found it interesting. That the, I think you said almost 20% said they had less discs than that. But when it comes down to everybody, everybody buying discs, 30 a year is, wow, that's a number. I. This that's is, quite, oh, that's let's think, few, let's think. I, that's quite a few discs a year. Yeah. Like that like is. I, know, I know it's 31 plus. Let's just make the math easy and say it's 36, which, you know, it could be way higher than that, right? But let's th that's three a month. Like, so what we, so good. I was just going to say what would be interesting, and I don't need to tell you, you guys are all coming up with, you know, these, these questions. But what would be interesting is to see how long has this player been playing for? Because I know for a fact when I started, my first five years or eight years, were way higher with the amount of discs I purchased. And it tapered off pretty quickly at a certain point when you're like, I found oh. and it is what it is. Like, like So I, I don't know. I've cut somebody else off when I answered well, you, that. You broke, else, there, you broke up there. You broke up there. I broke up? Yeah, yeah we heard most like, of you, but you got a little robot voice for a minute. No, I'm sorry. I'm on the hotel Wi-Fi. All I'm trying to say is it'd be interesting to see how long they play. For someone like me, I ultimately came to decide. Here's my bag. It is what it is. I'm not really changing it. You know, like so. We could calculate that. Uh, we we didn't ask people when they started playing disc golf in the survey. We asked people how long they've been following professional disc golf. We're going to add that question next year. But one thing we did do is look at to see if there was a correlation between how often somebody plays and how many discs they buy. And there's a mm. direct correlation. It's crystal clear. Um, for example, uh, out of, uh, in our survey, 40.44% um, of people who play daily buy 31 or more discs a year. So, um, so, so correlating, <laughs> to, correlating to number of discs lost. Yes, yeah. I'm sure it does too. I mean, if we, we cross-reference this with like PDGA number and yeah. where yeah, right. lakes are on your courses. Rating and which course and, you know, yeah. next thing you know, it's like, oh. This is awesome. See, my my immediate. Buying discs. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. This I love this stuff. Um, Like, so Marshall Street Disc Golf, you know, free advertising for them there. But they have a course at their pro shop. Marshall Street for a long time was one of the biggest, best, and, and still probably are the biggest in a lot of ways. 978 is local to us as well, and 978 is where I go for my discs. Marshall Street has a disc golf course there. And you got to believe that that is a massive win just hearing what you're saying. I'm going to play around. I'm going to buy a disc. So there you go. Get your pro shops at the course. I think one of the headline uh, numbers from this article, um, it's been quoted a couple places, is within the past 12 months, have you purchased a tour, touring signature series disc for any of these players? So we asked basically which players' discs are you buying? And so we, we have the, how many, what percentage of people do you think bought a Simon Lazat disc of our fan, of our respondents? 33 is what I would guess. Uh, 
yeah, it's got to be super high. I'll give a similar number to Ben, but I'll just outdo him by one, 34. 40.15%. <laughs> so basically just over 40%. The $1 vote. Price is right. I got you, Ben. <laughs> and, and who do you think would be in second place? Macbeth. Just because that's a tough. Well, just so Jesse, we already, uh, we already told you. We I don't think you were on the show when we had it. So we are. I had this conversation how a lot of Macbeth sales because I know he's up there and he kind of dropped on the Phantom score has to do with because of his custom line that Discraft um, created for him. That even if you're not a fan of Macbeth, it's the only disc. That and you like like say the Athena, it's still his disc, his quote unquote tour series. So you're gonna still buy the tour series disc, even if you're not a fan of Macbeth. So I think that helps you know pump those numbers up for Macbeth. I I think it's Macbeth, or again I'm thinking back to some of the numbers we saw, like fan favorites, and then thinking of tour releases, like possibly Calvin. So um, it's Macbeth. It's twenty six point three five percent. Third is Calvin at twenty one point four six percent. Fourth is Kristen at nineteen point four six percent. Fifth is Eagle at eight point nine two percent. And then after that, it kind of falls off. So thirteen point three one percent for Nate Sexton. Ricky Wysocki's twelve point six nine percent, and then Brody comes in at twelve point five percent. And then everybody else there is is under ten percent. Yeah, what well, the thing that strikes me right off the bat is that is that Kristen Tatardis being was it twenty percent? Because I don't know if they released much like of her tour. Doesn't she have like a grace and maybe like a commemorative thing? So that means a lot of people, maybe a pure too. I think I've seen that means a lot of people are supporting her with so little i guess tour series this which is really cool that's just what i observed and i could be completely wrong but i th- I think she only has like a grace and maybe two other discs so that's pretty cool hey, yeah Je- jesse that number does not necessarily tell us who sold the most discs by volume correct so i think that's an important distinction too um that could be interesting this tells us of people surveyed whose discs did they buy the most of well, i don't even think i worded that right but anyway right like that's that's an interesting thing to think about we don't have true insight into those numbers but to actually say if lazat's 40 percent beth is 26 percent, is it actually possible that pure volume sales in 2023 when simon announced a new sponsor is it possible that you know he may be three four five times outselling Macbeth in 2023 um, or maybe not, right? Which would also be just as intriguing. So anyway. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, we, we don't have that kind of nuance. But what's good about this is we are kind of getting a sense because with the manufacturers, they often know how much they sell, but they don't know how much the other manufacturers sold because it's a lot of a, it's a black box in terms of what's being sold because everybody, a lot of the companies keep their, their data private. So this this does give you a sense, but you're absolutely right. Especially players like Simon and Paul who have whole lines they're probably going to sell more volume because they've got lots of molds. Um, one thing that Josiah did as well is he did, he, he put in a chart here, which is percent, and this might get, be hard to get your head around, percentage of respondents that purchased a tour series, a signature series disc in the past 12 months after rating the player a 10 on the fandom score. So in other words, you're a big fan of this player, big enough that you gave them a 10, the, the, the highest score that you can give 
a player, what percentage of those fans actually bought the discs? And so this can give us a little bit idea, a better sense of fan intensity. Um, and in that, and for that one, Paul actually beat out Simon. So Paul, forty-seven percent of people who gave fan gave Paul a ten on the survey also bought one of his discs, whereas Simon was forty-six point nine three percent. They're essentially the same numbers, but um, they're very similar there in terms of uh, people giving them tens and actually buying their discs. It, but Eagle was at forty percent um, of people who gave Eagle a ten actually bought his disc. Um, and there's a bunch of other players that really pop up here that we didn't see uh, on on the you know just pure volume of fans who are having disc sales uh, from people who are their fans. Okay, so if I'm, a man, if I'm a manufacturer, this is the kind of number I'm actually curious to watch because um, it's likely that these people who are rating a player are going to follow their player. If they're rating them, if they're rating them a ten, right, and your favorite player leaves Discraft and goes to Innova, but they were your favorite player, I think I'm speculating, but there's a likely chance that you're going to continue to follow that player. Right? You didn't rate them a five, you rated them a ten. You like them, you're going to follow them. And if you say, yeah, and because I rated them a ten, half of everybody who likes this player is going to follow and buy one of your two or series discs, versus if I move, I don't know, I don't want to pick a name somebody way further <laughs> down the line right if i move uh if, if kevin jones comes over even people who love kevin jones only 12 percent of the people are buying their discs we already know some of this intuitively but the numbers do start to put some meat to the bones this is when people say all the time oh uh eagle moves discs ricky moves discs right um we were talking earlier about brand and all this like does gannon burr move discs not I yet. Mean, that right that and that can change but like that's an interesting point that's why it's more of a bet whereas uh if you get eagle now you're gonna say yeah like 40 percent of his top fans are gonna buy a disc and then there's probably some residual effect for all those other people who also buy discs you know 30 times a year right um i don't know interesting yeah. yeah well in general if you look at the prodigy players they don't really move discs um, and that, that's kind of interesting. Gannon Burr, 5.15% of respondents bought one of his discs in the last 12 months. Isaac Robinson, 4.38%. Um, so, you know, more people are buying Greg Barsby discs, buying Jeremy Colling discs, buying Kyle Klein discs, buying Paul Ulibarri discs than them. So um, that's kind of interesting that the, you know, top, you know, they're probably top three players this year. And uh, they're not moving as many discs as some players who are uh, didn't play as well as 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 they have this season. This this goes back to what we were talking about right before you got on. Uh, in some ways, it was like there's players on teams right now that are purely on the team because they were marketable and brandable, but they weren't winning per se. And like I know there's been discussions about how good Paul Uliberry has been over the years. He obviously is an incredible disc golfer. But as far as what comes to the tour, like he's not standing out. Fantastic. I, when I say standing out, I'm talking about like top four, top five, like winning, like what you kind of have to do on tour now to stand out and get your disc sales going up, especially if you're not a likable player. But Paul's selling discs, it sounds like, because he's brandable. He's been a figure. People like him. He's been in Jomez coverage so much. Uh, that's a whole nother thing kind of now, unless there's something more to go on over this conversation, 
moving into media. It, what did you come up with in media? You wrote an article about that and how it relates maybe to fans. Yeah, so I, I wrote this article um, and the article starts off with the DGN commentator appearances in 2023. So we can get a sense of how often these people are getting booth assignments to either be um, on color or on play-by-play. And we divide those up. And we also we divided it between MPO and FPO. We divided it between majors, playoff elite, uh, slash uh, elite plus events and silver events. So you can get a sense of the importance of the event. Uh, so we have all that data there. And then we also have fandom scores for each of the commentators. So we ask again, our fans, our respondents on a zero to 10 scale, how do you feel about the work of these commentators? Not about them as a person, about their, their work in the booth. And uh, can you guess the top three? And this is both, we've got both Jomez and DGN commentators. Those were the only people we included, both FPO and MPO, Jomez and DGN. And you're saying the most appearances? No, sorry. Who are the most? Well, we could do that if you want. Who, uh, who do you think have the most uh, FPO appearances for a, for a commentator? Uh, Valerie Jenkins. No, it wasn't, wasn't Valerie. She had nine total appearances. She had a baby. Oh, so you, okay, right. You said Joe has included in my brain, obviously. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. For this one, just DGN. Oh, this just is, DGN. Let's just, just talk about live. Wow. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Um, Zoe. It was Zoe. Zoe had 16 appearances as in, in, in the booth for, for FPO. And, and only one of those was a silver. Uh, most of those were elite. She was actually at, in the booth for all five majors. Or if we if we can't throw pink as a major, which it is, um, then all five majors. Um, so Zoe was had a lot of booth appearances. The most booth appearances were was um, was Terry Miller, um, and because uh, he he they, he does both MPO and FPO. Same thing with Ian Anderson. He's he's uh, second because again both MPO and FPO. Hmm. The so least now you said now, the question that you originally asked that I didn't answer. Yeah, sure. Was it favorite? Yeah. So, so the fandom scores. Who, which three commentators had the highest fandom scores? And we're including Jomez and DGN. And this is not FPO MPO specific. It's just the top three. Top three, both MPO and FPO. Because in some cases we have males commentating, female. Uh, so yes, it's just favorite three. I'm gonna give <sighs> Nate Sexton. It's got to be really high. I feel like whew, Terry Miller, and it's either Big Germ or Yuli. I'm gonna go with Yuli. Those are my top three. Do you have any differences in there, Ben or Josh? Yeah. Um. I was gonna say since he specified Jomas, I was just gonna do the Jomas guys. I was gonna say Nate, uh, Colling, and and Yuli. That would that would be my three since Jomas still has a lot of pull. For fans, Josh. So, nothing. It, nope. Josh, you I have. No, nope. I want to hear what Jesse has in front of you. Do you have it in front of you, Josh? I do. Are you seeing oh, or do you want to guess? Okay, Josh is, Josh is the researcher. Let's go. Uh, so Nate Sexton was number one. Um, so we have two different ways of looking at commentator scores. We've got the raw commentator uh, average fandom score. So that's you know again zero to ten. For we also took away the fives as another way of looking at this, because a lot of the FPO commentators were getting fives because people, some people don't watch FPO and mm -hmm. they didn't have 
a, they didn't have an opinion. Mm -hmm. So they gave them a five, a neutral answer instead of not giving them an answer, which is what we instructed them mm -hmm. to do. Um, so we took out the fives for all the commentators because uh, that kind of normalizes the numbers a little bit uh, better there. Uh, but still, it's Nate Sexton number one, Brian Earhart's number two. Oh, cool. And Jeremy Colling's number three. Uh, number four was Madison Walker, and number five was Paul Ulibar. Wow. So the, and then Erica was number six. So of the top top uh, commentators, only Brian Earhart is not a, a Jomez person. That's a great point. I, yeah, and I have a few reactions to that. And this, again, would be interesting for future versions of this. And maybe you did this. Like, age of player, length of time in the sport. Like, again, just as, like, an interest. Because, like, shout out to Terry. I mean, he's been a staple in disc golf. I knew him with his first little flip vlog camera back when he first started it. Like, before he was doing anything. Like, but I've seen him till now. And for what it's worth, I enjoy and think he's a level-headed decent commentator i put him up higher and that's interesting to see you know He's i, I knew below erica yeah and what was that seventh uh one two out three, of like eight four, five, six seven <laughs> yeah he's number seven um no there, yeah. there's a, there's a lot more people then then the next is charlie Eisenhood, okay. then there's philo then nate perkins then juliana corver then ian anderson so again these are people towards the bottom ian anderson valerie jenkins grant zellner who just did silver um, Zoe Andike and then Nate Doss had the had the lowest finish. What? So this is super interesting to me because evaluating this, and I'm not going to do it right now live, but are we can you objectively look at somebody's commentary? I think this is the bigger picture. Can you objectively just look at commentary and say, good job, bad job, as if you were in school, a grade like a teacher was just grading you? Or is this very, very largely driven off of, do I like that person's personality? Do I like what they wear, how they look, right? Because I feel like, and call me crazy, we all have, this is, this is just going to illustrate it even more for everybody. We all have our favorites. I personally think Charlie does a pretty good job at what he does. He's not color. He's play-by-play -play in most cases, and I think he does a good job at what he does. Terry Miller does a good job. I Nate Doss, the insights he gives, he's kind of like the Tony Romo of NFL in my mind. Like, I love his insights. The same with Nate Sexton, but this goes back to the players winning and being likable, right? That was like the, the perfect blend to make a lot of money in disc golf. And I feel like Nate Sexton is very likable, and he commentates very well. When it comes to commentary, that's the magic sauce right there. And that's why he's at number one. So I give him number one too. I love what Nate does on the mic, but I'm just surprised to see some of these lower than others. Uh, anyways, any other reactions, Josh? Ben? Yeah, I, have uh, I have a reaction right off the bat. I think, I think this is a good point to prove just like a testament on how post commentary is still very important. Cause I could imagine a lot of these people are still tuning into Jomez. Not everyone's saying live is the new way. Everyone has to go live, but some a majority of these people that might have been taking the survey might not have that access to DGN. So their only experience is a free Joma's announcer that they know and love, which I think is a cool little testament to show that like Joma's is still a very important part of the sport and um is still not going anywhere. <laughs> but Ben, they weren't supposed to vote unless they I thought, knew I thought that was and listened to. <laughs> they weren't supposed to vote until they knew unless they knew and listened to this commentator so i don't think it, to your point ben it could be this 
but I don't think it's quantity of how much I've listened to a commentator being how much I like them. Well, um, yeah, I, I get, I, I, I get, yeah, I can see that point too. But I think, I think if you're mostly watching Joe Menez, you're going to like them better in my opinion than maybe someone. And you can't always like, like people, like you said, like, I don't know. I just think if you, if you're watching Jomas, you're gonna like the people better, and you're gonna vote for them higher rather than well, if you don't watch as much DGN. If if it's based off of quantity that we're listening, the length of live is extremely long, and the amount you'd hear Nate Doss is more than anybody every single time. So what your point is maybe is that people aren't watching live, but I don't know. I mean, the numbers no, do I show th- that. No, I think pe- I should. I think people are watching live. I just think that. A lot. We are underestimating the amount of people that still watch Jomez yeah. as their primary thing, and I think that is t- either Jomez just has great commentators, and that proves to it, <laughs> or people watch a lot more Jomez than live and or, and enjoy Jomez more. There we go. I'm just giving analysis on this. for everybody. <laughs> yeah, t- tell us, Jesse. So, 25 percent of our respondents don't subscribe to DGN. So, 75 uh, percent do. Okay. Uh, so that that is probably part of the equation, and, and so I was very interested. To, I, I thought about why why are all these Jomez commentators scoring better? So a couple of my theories: uh, one is that they're closer to the sport right now. These are you know either active players or you know until recently active players. So they, well, actually they're all they're all active players. Sorry, the Jomez the Jomez um, commentators. So that might give them more validity in the fans in, in the eyes of the uh, a good point of the, of the the respondents. Um, I'd say part of it also is that it might be easier to be a post-produced commentator than a live commentator. You don't have somebody in your ear telling you what's, you know, that we're switching to camera two or switching to camera three, and you don't have to ad lib as you're waiting for, you know, a slow putter to putt, um, or a rain delay. So I think they're less exposed, um, uh, the, the live commentators. Um, and they also have more room to be funny maybe. Um, but there, there also could be just a talent gap in that Jomez can pick from all players, whereas DGN can only pick retired players. And so that might create a talent gap between the two. So I, I don't really know what the answer is, but those are Interesting. some of those, those my are great points. Interesting, Jesse. This might be new information to me, and I've never asked. Is that is that something that's true? They DGN has made a stance that they won't pick current players. Oh, okay. I'm going to be called out here because it's live. But <laughs> with that, with that being now that I just had that epiphany moment, like they could do FPO or MPO commentating either way, but that's probably much more small. So yeah, okay. I stand. They've got to play. At least that, that's that's the thing. They they have to play so that they can't commentate unless you're Nate Sexton and you're playing some events and commentating on other right. events. Okay. So one of one of the other things that I found really interesting was, you know, you look at so we have we, we know how often the DGN commentators were used, and we know what our fa- what what our respondents think of them, and the least often used commentator was Nate Nate Sexton, who's also the most popular commentator. The least popular female commentator was Zoe Endike, who was the most used female commentator. Um, the most often used uh commentators on you know for for uh for for play by play were ian anderson who wasn't particularly popular and terry miller who was very popular as well as nate doss who was not popular so i guess 
this is to say we have some data that could be useful for the DG, for DGN to decide who to give booth assignments to, who to assign to majors, who to, assi who to assign to the more important events. And I don't think, I don't know if they're going to use this. I don't know if this is too late for them to make decisions. I'm sure they've got a lot of re ways they have to make decisions, but at least this is some data that they could use if they wanted to. I like, so, I liked your point where you're saying how like, yeah, lives a different product, like the how it's like four hours and you have to fill because we have a live show here and not everything goes da daisy and roses. So I, th I think that's a great uh, point to bring up. Um, objectively just looking at po post versus live that you know they have a lot more to say because like matt and i have always talked about it, like the more you talk on, on anything the more opinions people are going to have on you and like you either like you way more or like you way less it's just happened the nature of the game it's true in fact josh is playing his cards right for the last 20 minutes <laughs> like now let's do this survey favorite host on staggered stance oh, oh yeah <laughs> so we should do no we shouldn't do we've yeah. already had people rate us in the comments before they're like a one they're like there's four hosts we're gonna rate everybody one through four and they get to me and they're like 10 and i'm like it's only four and then, like we say, it often seems like the more you talk, the more you're on, the more opinions people can have about you. Like if I stay quiet, people don't can't have as many opinions about me, negative or positive. But um, <clears throat> which makes for a boring show. All right. Uh, we kind of came down to the end of that. I think that's really interesting. I don't want to talk the whole article. People need to go check them out and dig into them deeper. I think that's really a benefit of what you guys have done over there writing and posting the way you have they can find those over at ulti world disc golf um they could probably google this and find it they can say fandom uh manufacturers fandom disc whatever you can probably find them we have another article coming out tomorrow this is by douglas tyus also known as disc golf doug on twitter and it's on the favorite courses so before I go, what do you think was the top three courses on course? Who did they, they? This was the three thousand fans. This is three thousand fans, but they, we, we asked them to only pick up. We we asked them to pick three to three courses that were on tour in twenty twenty three. We gave them a whole list to choose from, and so they could only pick three. But a lot of people picked more, so we didn't include their data in the survey. So mm. the the people that could actually you know follow the instructions. <laughs> We had uh, uh, 2,030 of them Okay, follow the instructions. So it, it's purely based off of, it. in some cases, players, I mean, people, survey fans may have played these courses, but it was purely based off of just favorite as in maybe they like watching it. To watch. We, asked, we specifically said, which DGPT okay. and major courses are your favorites to watch? Ooh. USDGC, maybe. Um preserve i'm throwing a few out there portland those are my top three i don't know if that's accurate of course josh or ben smugglers notch mm. portland usdgc so yeah I'm, I'm pretty similar i'm gonna go maple hill smugglers notch and portland that those are my top three the the top one by far was maple hill Sixty-five, about 65% of our respondents put that in their top three courses. I just oh, quick. I love Maple Hill. I think it's in the number one spot. I think it could bounce between the top three. It gets a lot of credit for its legacy and history. 
uh, the nostalgia, everything about being there is great. But I did not think that'd be in people's favorite to watch a lot because there's a lot of wooded stuff. And but maybe they I know people like that. Maybe the it's just translating so much better with the better crews nowadays. Like it's just translating how awesome it is. Well, That's awesome to I, hear. I think it's also because the hype around me. It's the number one course in the world. People are going to be more biased because of that hype where it's like, oh, Maple Hill's number. Yeah, I like enjoying that, watching that course. It's enjoyable and it's the number one course in the world. So yeah, I'm going to put it up there. I think that has a it's huge part of holes. Say it again. There's lots of iconic holes in there. Yeah. yeah. So as a yeah. fan, yep. it's like very memorable. That's mm -hmm. a good point too. Uh, second was W.R. Jackson at 23.9%, so less than half, the woods. almost a third of, of Maple Hill is W.R. Jackson. And then after that, it's Northwood Black. Oh, wow. So, so, um, That's interesting. And, and you'll see that in, in terms of the, the popularity, the wooded courses are almost all on the top. The golf courses are almost all on the bottom and the open courses are somewhere in the middle. I, so fans definitely have a preference in terms of what kind of courses they want to watch on tour. So it's funny after now having this simple conversation, you providing the details here, I fully agree. Like my preference is to watch wooded courses as long as they film well, like some, I can imagine some wooded courses just in my head that don't, but like people are now designing courses with that in mind. And we love seeing shot shapes. Um, it's, come a long way and i i agree it's much nicer to watch a disc fly through the woods on a perfect shot shape josh do you have a preference you said open courses too yeah i don't know i i'm i'm having to think about it um i just in, for some reason certain wooded courses are coming to mind and i'm like i just the coverage is the hard part of it like i say like waco for example like when they get to that second half of that course and they're all in the woods like everything just looks like the camera spins around it's just woods <laughs> woods and brush woods and brush um so that was like my immediate gut but i've got th obviously i love wooded disc golf so when you see the pros like pipe a lane in the woods like on some of those maple hill holes that's like unbelievably awesome to watch so I i'd have to think about it well the, the numbers show us but i would assume we could be right in line with them or we could just be different yeah yeah, but I just think the the aesthetics, right, were part of it in my initial answer. I wasn't actually thinking as much watching, like how the pros tackle the course. I mean, that's important too. But that to me, that was I was kind of compartmentalizing yeah. that. I'm thinking like the drone flyer over, at like you know, Smuggler's Notch, you know, Fox Meadows. I'm just like that's like that's the stuff that you know you want to show your non disc golf fans and be like, check out these courses. So that's what I was originally thinking. And that's why Portland makes the list. Right? Yep. Not mm -hmm. because I'm even thinking about how the course plays. I'm just like every shot there is like green and gorgeous with giant trees and it's beautiful. Josh, right? it's pretty far down the list. Wow. I know, which it is was, intriguing. That's why I'm thinking yeah. there's a different way to answer this. They're thinking, they're thinking, how do I want to see the pros tackle these courses? And I want to see that on coverage. Yeah, Josh, I was mm. literally thinking the same. That's why Portland was my list. It was like the beautiful Douglas firs. That's literally why it was, yep. it was up there. Yeah. I was just thinking purely aesthetic no that it was in my i honestly feel like that's a and it's also a little bit skewed in my mind based off of players preference of courses too which you could interestingly find that out like where does the players preference lie with what the fans like to see and maybe it's really different i, I think that's very possible as well that's interesting so this is an article coming out when 
It's supposed to be coming out tomorrow, but well, if there's like huge player movement news, then they might delay yeah. it a little bit so it doesn't get buried. My 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 media article came out like ten minutes before the Natalie Ryan news dropped. Oh. So um, I think they're trying to make sure that that, that that the article doesn't get buried. I could be wrong about this, but I don't expect it tomorrow. Any big announcement? But then here we go. I'm probably jinxing it. But like I would imagine, if it was, it'd be Nicholas. But and that's big. But I that'd be my only maybe. And I think it's probably still going to be a little bit. But interesting. So people should check that out tomorrow. Jesse, we're glad you came on. Um, when it comes to snow, where where are you from, Jesse? I'm in Philadelphia, so we might get some snow. We're probably going to get a lot of like a lot of water, but uh, I don't know if we're going to actually <laughs> get coming snow. water. Did you get yeah. any snow with this last thing coming through? Barely yeah. any. No, okay. We got like it, it melted pretty quickly. Okay, so oh, wow. I I've seen it regularly every winter. Um, people will post in the social media groups, wherever you are. This is for the people in the back. This is for the disc golfers, everybody. PSA, do not play on tee pads if they're not shoveled. And every year, maybe I'm grumpy about it, but I think we're we're screaming it to the wrong people. Like if you're in a Facebook group, if you're in a Reddit group for disc golf, if you're in any group specifically for disc golf, you are probably not, and maybe that's a huge probably an assumption on my part. You are probably not the ones throwing from the tee pads. And then people will go out and take a picture of footprints on the tee pads, post it in these groups and say, if I find out who you are, like I'm going to plaster you everywhere. And I'm just like, I think these are the wrong people because if they knew, I don't think they would. Now, again, maybe that's just an, a, a very large assumption on my part. But Jesse, have you ever thrown from a snow-covered tee pad? No. <laughs> no. He's like, I'm not that. Guy. But but in in fairness, I don't play when it's cold out because I don't like playing when it's cold out. So I'm not a I'm a fair weather disc golfer. Can we add that question to the survey next year of like, are you the kind of player who throws from a snow-covered tee pad? Because now you've ruined it for everybody else. And we just want to be able to point our finger and say, we don't believe anything else you say in the survey. Um, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, we just, yeah, we just got a lot of snow up there. And I will say to those listening to our show, if you're in a snowy area, you probably already know this. So what I would recommend is instead of going out and saying we're going to crucify people for doing it, like if you see somebody doing it, educate them nicely. They're probably very new and they're like, this is a great activity. Like come out and play. Like long story short, I just like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think it's our regular disc golfers who are doing it. And if it is, if that is you, just take a second guess and say, maybe I should throw from the side and let somebody shovel it easier after. But um, we appreciate having you on, Jesse. Any closing thoughts as we let you go? No, these are, we'll, all, we'll have one more article after this uh, one, which is probably going to be some of the most interesting stuff because Josiah is really digging into the numbers to try to find the, the gems that we didn't include in the, in the other articles, things that didn't fit into the buckets of, of, the, of the subject matters we covered in each, in each, each piece. So uh, just keep an eye on, on that on Ulti World. All right. Well, we appreciate having you on, Jesse, as always. Until I see you in person again, I'll give you a high five, handshake, fist bump. Peace out, man. Talk to you later. All right, everybody. We kept intern Ben busy. Yeah. 
I, I'm I, I'll, I'll say this I'm not used to being on screen as much so like I'm still doing my old intern ways which is like trying to check everything check to check respond and sometimes I'm paying attention but it's gonna get used to so bear <laughs> with me as I um get used to this new position do we do we need a new intern <sighs> I, don't, I, I, I it, it, it's easier if you're in studio so it, it but then it's hard. Okay. In all seriousness, it's hard. And this is a, this wasn't a topic we planned on talking, but it is. And you're saying it, Ben, it is actually hard to focus on producing a good show live. Yeah. And being a part of the conversation. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So I, I we'll think it's just, out. I need a less type in the chat as, as much as I used to, because I'm like focused <laughs> on the chat and then you call me. I'm like, wait, what? Uh, you're like, what, what are we even talking about? <laughs> um anyways not to point our finger at that we are glad to have you and i called you intern ben 10 seconds ago but that's because like i said in our hearts you'll always be intern ben but ben is officially a host on our show uh as equal to any of us um again this coming week you will hear from evan nick myself ben josh and we plan to line up and have a fantastic guest if you like staggered stance formerly the nick and matt show you can expect to get the big interviews, the big storylines as they happen. So stay tuned. Mark it on your calendar. What's the date next week? The date is 15th. January 15th. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So it's a holiday for some. Perfect. Mark Great. it down. Come back after a day of doing whatever you do on that holiday and relax at 7 p.m. Eastern. Hey, successful first staggered stance branded episode. Um, should we keep the numbering system? What do our fans think? What do What do you guys yeah. think? Should we As keep in it? Episode one seventy two. Yeah, or we're we at one seventy two with the rebranding. Should it be another number? Does the numbers speak to the legacy and the length of you know the show? And it's just a different name now. I don't know. Let us know your thoughts, Josh. This is your official first full staggered stance. Yep. We expect that you and Ben and Nick and different variations of us will lead the show. Um, it won't always just be the regular I'm, two. I'm or excited three. for the Ben and Josh show one one week. We'll yeah, have to get that we'll bring it. Up. Um, I'm excited about it, and I'm excited. Shout out our official fans' names now is no longer Nick and Matters. It's the Staggies. <laughs> we have to vote on this. Shout we out have the Staggies in the chat. <laughs> we're gonna have to vote on it. <laughs> there's probably some reason not to use that but let us know um, <laughs> so i didn't i don't think i messed up tonight but i guarantee it's gonna happen because i've already in talking to like my wife and others like i'll still go to say the nick and matt show the nick and matt like tonight nick like it's i i figured you know fans will do that for a while too and that's okay i still think we come out with gear like throwback at some point but be on the lookout because we are excited about different ways to brand this and to have your support um disc golf 978 they came up multiple times during this episode because we love 978 awesome. if you go to disc golf 978 you can check out with the code we love 978 get five percent off they already have the lowest possible dollar amount and free shipping over $25. I don't know why you wouldn't use them. Support layer, players like Paul Kranz, Casey White, all these other players there. Fantastic. Um, we love 978. And this Gosh, golf, Ben, any other closing thoughts? This golf 978 
will have a massive trailer at the Northeast Disc Golf Expo, which is happening in almost two, it's three weeks. It's three weeks. It's Saturday, Sunday, January 27th, 28th. We have eight manufacturers so far. We got Discraft, Innova, MVP, Prodigy, Thought Space, um, Clash Discs, Lone Star, and we even have a smaller manufacturer with uh, Neptune Discs. So, it's and what be, we have, will we have Eagles' new manufacturer on site? Uh, hopefully, I, it, it, I, I definitely. Ian and Burr's new manufacturer at the one and only Hold North on, Disc Golf ben. Expo. Ben, sometimes we on accident break news here. Remember, like the Chris Clemens. Yeah. Dude, didn't you post the other day that MVP is releasing a disc so big they won't even tell you what it is? Correct. At the expo, an exclusive expo disc. So hold on. Dun, dun, dun. Will Eagle Big Man, will that be his disc at your expo? I don't know. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I wish I could say they literally wouldn't tell me what they're dropping at my expo exclusively at the expo. So it's going to be huge. So if you want to get the expo, get exclusive discs, other companies are going to be dropping some stuff. So that news is coming soon with the exclusive Dude, there stuff. There was a... There was a line for the opening last year. This year is going to be out of control. Yeah, that's, so the tickets are in the staggered stance bio, and so we can kind of mitigate that line. I'm going to be uh, scanning everyone who ordered online like an hour to 30 minutes before so I can get you all wristbanded up and then allow you to go in right at 10 a.m. to your favorite booths. Also, so last year, Josh was on was a, the panelist, or I don't know what to say, the ho host. EMC. The MC of the content creator panels, but this year, if he's here, we're gonna do a staggered stance live podcast at Ooh. the Northeast Disc Golf Expo. So, if you want to hear a live podcast from Staggered Stance? Um, it'll be Nick, Matt, hopefully Josh, hopefully Evan, maybe me. I don't, I can't guarantee that because I'll be running around. But <laughs> can we guarantee an appearance? Yeah, we can guarantee. Yeah, an appearance, you'll get an but... appearance. Nick is actually flying back for this. There's, I've caught drift of massive releases happening at your expo that people all around the world will only be able to get at your expo. So I'm hyped. I'm glad you said that. It was in my notes to ask you about the new updates coming with that. So I'm glad you told oh, us about Brian that. Oh, and Brian Earhart, everyone's favorite announcer, will be there. And huge announcement coming hopefully this week of someone else who's going to be coming to the expo. Huge. So I'm getting excited. I know. It's a huge announcement. I'm very excited. And uh you'll have to wait and see who's coming. Is it next. Nick Carl's cousin? James will indeed be there. He'll be security. <laughs> Nick Carl's cousin will indeed be there. But no, that is not the huge announcement. Dude, I love how in some way, at least for me, and if you're a super fan of the show, you've heard about Nick Carl's cousin a handful of times because Ben's brought brought it up. <laughs> it just so happens that Ben's like extremely good friends with Nick Carl's cousin. Yes. But like he's like that character that never asked to be a character on our show. But like he's like, how do I put it? Like Jimmy Kimmel's Guillermo. Like, like you gotta we gotta bring on Nick Carl's cousin. We have, like, oh, that's character. a good point. Just bring with Nick on the show, bring yeah. him in and just surprise him. Like just we, like randomly. Because we're we're getting his whole family tree. Like we talked about Marlene, his mom, and how she owns a salon. Like he's getting a little backstory in the Staggy Nation. So I'm excited about it. We got to get it's Nick Carl's cousin. Yo, t Staggies, rise up. Tell me if you want Nick Carl's cousin. Rise show. up. <laughs> okay. Rise up like a steel cucumber. Come on now. All right. Well, steel cucumber. Sorry, guys.
no, we, we've good. got a little we've got a little bit of post processing to do with this episode just some things but we're gonna yes. go ahead and wrap it up uh we appreciate everybody next week will be a big one and everyone after that as we ramp up and continue to improve all of our branding and streaming everything else that goes with it uh by the beginning of the season we appreciate everyone's support thanks so much for tuning in uh nick's not here i don't know if he's gonna keep it but we'll let him decide that he's, one. A, he's a busy everybody, man he's a busy man Till next week everybody we'll talk to you later peace out wait i think since nick's not here i think i need and i'm a host i think i need to start my own tradition um see you later you should have thought more about that. All right. <laughs> Dang it. Have a that good was, one. Now I got to commit to it. Bye. <laughs>